Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling I need you here. And John Harlow. And that's the half past four and I'm shifting gear. That's right, it's talking in circles tonight. Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow from SpeedwayMedia.com. Talking about Daytona, it was a wet weekend, a wild weekend, and Daytona National Speedway that resulted in Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s second career NASCAR Cup Series victory and William Byron's second career NASCAR Xfinity Series victory. Uh, restricted point racing at Daytona International Speedway. Always interesting, always, you know, wild, always very different than what we see on a weekly basis. And it was no different this weekend in the Coke 0400 at Stenhouse. Uh, David Reagan at the end of that race uh, in the final restart there to win his second career uh, cup race. Boyer, Clint Boyer was second, Paul Menard third. An excellent night for Michael McDowell in fourth. Ryan Newman was fifth. David Reagan, as we mentioned, who led in that final green-white checker. He ran a strong race all night long. He was sixth. Then he had Brendan Gaughan in, in a restricted plate race for Beard Oil. He finished seventh. A.J. Almendinger, Eric Jones, and Chris Buescher Rounded out the top ten, John, at Daytona National Speedway for the Coke Zero Four Hundred. Um, I think we all know my thoughts on restrictor plate racing. I hate it. Um, the better cars, I mean, it's one of those things. You make a small mistake, and you take out ten cars. I mean, Harvick had a tire go, and took out Junior, and Junior was coming, and other cars got wiped out in the thing. I mean, you saw Kyle Kyle Larson end up getting airborne. He's done that before, but um, it's just one of those things. I don't think it's real good racing. I think they, because of the restrictor plate and everybody having to run in a pack, and it's one of those things that if the bottom groove is working, you're not going to pass on the top. If you can get to the bottom, you're going to win. No matter what kind of momentum they have up there, the shortest way around is going to be going if everybody in the bottom lane is hooked up and goes. It just isn't that good at racing. There's some really nice stories out of it. I mean, Paul Menard, career yep. best, finished third. Uh, Michael McDowell with his fourth place finish. Reagan in sixth. Gone in seventh. Busher with a top ten. Corey LaJoy in 11th. Matt Benedetto 13th. I mean, they're nice stories. But there's not one of them is in contention to win any race other than Daytona or Talladega. And it just, I think it's what makes those good. I mean, to me, it takes away from the product. I mean, you want to see the best drivers up front. I'm not excited. To, I mean, it's a nice story, but I'm not tuned in to see Michael, McDo- Michael McDowell finish fourth or Reagan finish sixth or gone finish seventh. I think it makes it interesting, though, because I think it, it puts, you know, you have to, everybody has a chance to not everybody, but the majority of the field has a chance to win. I'd say 36, 34 cars have a chance has a chance to win, no doubt about it. We saw that last night with Reagan. I thought Reagan ran, you know, here's a guy who had some come, come close to winning a Daytona 500 before, and uh, he was pretty much flawless all night until that final restart. Um, I thought Michael McDowell ran a very good race. He was up in the top ten all day long. But it sort of evens the playing field. I don't know if it's those guys that uh, – in the car, don't have the cars to compete on a weekly basis, or, they, or they're just not good enough to compete on a weekly basis for wins. But 
when it comes to restricted play, it is a different style. It's a different medium. A lot of it is luck, no doubt about it. I think when you look at uh, the drivers who missed the wrecks, there were some of them who came very close. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was a very close to being in an accident and picking himself out with Kyle Larson. He got very lucky that he didn't have more damage than he did. But I think this sort of makes it fun, too, because racing is luck is part of racing now. And restrictor plates, luck is a lot more of it than it is on a weekly basis. But still, you have to be lucky for your car to hold up. You have to have a lot of luck to win one of these races. And restrictor plate, it is uh, definitely more luck is more definitely uh, on a restricted plate race, but still, you know, being up front and keeping that track position was key last night. Um, and I think a lot of drivers did that. And listen, there were some great storylines. I think Corey LaJoy is a guy who is a perfect example of a kid who's just never really had a chance to shine in big time equipment. And this is an opportunity for him to show that he can run with the big boys and be smart out there. And he did that. He did that yesterday. Uh, he ran strong. He, there was times where that 23 car, he looked at it, and he was in the top 10. And you're like, man, look at Corey LeJoy go. Um, it sort of puts him on the radar map a little bit. And, yeah, he's going to go back to finishing 31st next week probably because his team can't compete with these big guys. But to me, it makes it interesting because these guys are have a, have a chance to win. Um, and, again, it's a different medium. There's no doubt about it. But I liked what I saw last night. It was, I mean, it was a good race. I mean, there was a lot of, um, a lot of comers and goers. I mean, one of the things I think was the biggest story of the race. And again, of what I'm not a big fan of restrictor plate racing, Dale Jr. was two laps down. And he even said the toe was knocked out of that car where he was struggling to figure out where the steering wheel was straight at, but he makes up the two laps starts, uh, 28th on the restart gets himself up to fifth place whenever Harvick cuts a tire down and Junior had nowhere to go. But, I mean, you're running a wrecked race car with the toe. You, know, you had no idea where, this, where the wheel was actually straight at, pulls himself up to fifth place, and then gets caught up in another accident. I mean, it isn't how good you drive. I mean, it's a matter of what, where you're at in the pack, what lane's going, what lane isn't. And if you're good enough to find that hole and get someone to go with you, I mean, it's not even like you can pass anybody on your own. And that's the thing I really hate about restrictor plate racing. You have to have three, four cars together to be able to pass one, not be able to make a move on your own. But, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of great stories about this. Uh, Brendan Gaughan's team, they only run Daytona. And they wound up with a top 10 finish. Um, I really... Michael McDowell was right up there all day long. He ran a great race, unless you talk to Chase Elliott. And Chase Elliott said it was the stupidest move he's ever been around, just because Chase Elliott wound up getting wrecked in the process. But there are these, I mean, there's always these stories. And we've had it two weeks in a row, because we had the same thing at Sonoma last week with a lot of stories of people getting their best finishes ever. Um, The one that hurts probably more than anything, Clint Boyer said it, after the race is second place sucks. I mean, two weeks in a row at second place wants to um, get that chase spot locked in by getting a win. But he said it sucks, but it's better than third. And I think Clint Boyer's knocking on the door. That 14 car, Clint and Mike Bogoravich are starting to get themselves together. They're show, they're running well. They're knocking off top 10 finishes. Um, they're going to hit victory lane sooner or later. The one thing this does for Stenhouse, though, it's going to lock him into the chase. He's got two wins now. 
there's only nine races left, it's going to be tough to get Stenhouse knocked out of the chase with two wins. Yeah, I think that was huge for him because he mentioned that in victory lane. I mean, there was a, when Reagan was leading, Reagan wasn't sure what line to choose, and he chose the line with the 17 because 17 said, I'm going to push you all the way till the end. And there was people out there going, I don't know if that's the case because Stenhouse is going to want to win because, you know, we talked about it numerous times in this show. There's been 11 different winners this year, um, and you could easily have 16 winners. So you want to have two wins to where it's a lot harder to knock you out. Um, I don't know if we're going to get the 16, but for Stenhouse, he needed that win if he had to get it. And it gets the extra bonus points, no doubt, for Chase that can carry throughout the chase. Those three bonus points, those are huge for him. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, as much as you talk about Junior, and he was an, it was an interesting thing, you know, NBC really talked him up this week. It was his last race at Daytona, a track he he had a lot of success at. His dad had a lot of success at. His dad lost his life at. Um, they talked about him a lot. The car wasn't – Junior wasn't Junior for the first part of that race. Now, I know he got in an incident with Menard, but it wasn't like we saw when Junior was in the same day, even with the 88 car – leading laps, being up in the top three where nobody could really pass him, it seemed like you could pass people this week. Um, and even side drafting, even if it was the leader, a lot of times we saw the leader, you know, um, in, in years past, get out and he was able to block. This, it seems like this year in the last couple of restricted plate races, you could get, pull that car back by side drafting with him. And it makes makes it a little bit more, um, handling a little bit more of, a, of, a, of an issue. It also to me makes, puts it in a little bit in the driver's hands where, you know, you can actually pass for the lead. Now, Kozlowski's still a strong car. He had some issues there. But another incident, incident to me, another feature about restricted play racing is I don't think people realize how much track position plays into it because it is hard to get up there and pass. You know, we saw Casey Kane. I thought Casey Kane, I know he, uh, he didn't end up in too hot of a position here. Like he finished 18th in the 18th spot. But I thought Casey Kane ran a really aggressive and a really good race last night. Um, and, you know, you get shuffled out of there. You talk about, you know, restricted plate racing, it kind of stinks because Kane probably was one of the best cars on the track last night. He ended up 18th without any issues. But he was fast, and he was able to make it three wide and, um, you know, do some daring things and, and be very, very aggressive. So I think that was a good thing, and I think it, it prevented, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. from leading a lot of laps, Brad Kozlowski from leading a lot of laps, so I think from that aspect, it was really good. I think when you look at Casey Kane on uh, Saturday night, it looked like he was driving for his job. And we haven't really seen that out of Casey Kane. He'd just been plugging along, plugging along, doing what he could, not having the finishes you hoped for. Saturday night, even though he didn't get the finish he hoped for, he drove like he was driving for his job. And finally, it's, it's like someone lit the wick and said, hey, Casey, you could be out of this ride here if you don't get your head out of your, you know what? And he drove like he was driving for his job. And it was nice to see Casey be competitive, actually see him in a camera shot instead of when they run through the field. And back in 20th, Casey King, well, he's too tight. He's too loose and he can't, he can't get a handle on things. He was going from front to back a couple times on Saturday night. And he made some moves to get himself up to the front. It wasn't just pitch strategy that got him up there. He ran a really good race. He just got shuffled out at the end. Um, some of the other guys who ran really good races charging for the lead. Um, Danica ran a decent race. 
Denny Hamlin ran a decent race until he got caught up in the Kyle Larson mess. Kurt Busch was running well. And those are cars who haven't really been pushing for leads and pushing for wins, but they ran well. And they were doing what they needed to do to get up front. Um, It's just one of those nights that, I mean, how how bad is it when Kyle Busch is 20th place on the lead lap and you've got all those cars up in front of him? I mean, Landon Castle finished in front of him. Suarez, i got to give Daniel Suarez a a shout-out. He ran well all night. He spent a lot of time in the lead, spent a lot of time um, up in the top five. And Suarez was somebody to reckon with throughout the middle part of the final segment. Also, Ty Dillon ran well throughout the night. Bubba Wallace was up there pushing people throughout the night. There was a lot of – the one thing with Daytona that, even though I hate restrictor plate races, you always hear about just about everybody because somebody's making a move to get up toward the front and somebody's pushing, somebody's able to um, go three wide and take a chance at going up the middle – it it was an overall it was a really good race for a restrictor plate race. Yeah, I agree. I think um, again it was more that we could pass the leader. That was my big gripe about restrictor plates in recent years was it's hard to pass the leader. And I like the fact that we can pass the leader here uh, with with the right amount of cars. It just seemed like you know the leader was in control of everything there for three or four years, and that was kind of irritating. But it was nice to see this weekend that wasn't the case. 917-889-8280. Join the conversation here on Talking in Circles tonight. Clayton Caldwell, John Hollow from SpeedwayMedia.com. You know, I saw an interesting, you know, you mentioned the Toyotas, and they were fast. No doubt uh, they had some good, there were some good races, good racing there from them. Eric Jones was was good. Uh, he led nine laps. We mentioned Corey LaJoy, you know, but those are the only two cars in the top 11 for Toyota. Uh, Daniel Suarez was 17th. Kyle Busch was 20th. And, I know it's restricted plate. Maybe we're looking at it too too much. But even on on uh, Friday when they, or excuse me, on Saturday when they qualified, the highest qualifying Toyota was Kyle Busch in like 16th. I mean, it just seems like right now, as far as horsepower is concerned, Toyota is way behind Ford and way behind Chevrolet, and they need to find it here, John. They haven't, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing does not have a win yet. 17 races into the 2017 season, and Joe Gibbs Racing is still winless, and I always say restricted plate racing's qualifying is a lot of it's based on horsepower. Um, when you get down to the smaller teams, it's really it's a lot different. But a lot of it to me is based on horsepower. When you see Toyota not anywhere close to being uh, up in the front, I think it's a little bit concerning. I think it was interesting. Uh, I believe Doug Yates was on with Moody on Friday, and they were talking about um, getting the restricted plate racing engines ready for the Ford camp, and he said it takes six weeks to build one restrictor plate engine. So they're putting everything together. They've got what, 13 Fords running this year. So that's 26 engines at least that they have to have ready for every restrictor plate race. So they are working their, you know, what's off getting ready for restrictor plates. And Robert Yates and his son, Doug have always had an emphasis on Daytona and Talladega. I mean, you, you look at Dale Jarrett whenever he ran Ricky uh, when Ricky Rudd was in the Haviland car, when Davey Allison was in the car, um, when Ernie Irvin was in the car, that 28 and 88 were always something to watch out for whenever Robert Yates had his team together, whenever they ran the restrictor plate races. 
And they've kept it going with the engine shop, the way they've continued to produce the Ford, the Ford power plants. Ford has won six of the last eight restrictor plate races. The only one that really got out of the way was uh, Denny Hamlin winning Daytona last year. Other than that, it's been Keselowski, Logano, Bush, Stenhouse. That's everybody who's been winning the restrictor plates. It's been all Ford. The folks at Roush Yates Engines, I mean, Doug Yates has been pushing the envelope when it comes to making sure those power plants hum on the restrictor plates. And there's no doubt they did that. And Stenhouse had one of the faster cars, but we didn't really see him emerge until the tail end of the race where he was really, really fast. I think he's held something back. But, you know, uh, he was fast. There was no doubt about it. And he proved that on the final restart. Even, you know, another good weekend, John, in the restricted plate world for Paul Menard. He's a guy who, when these restricted plate races come, seems to shine. He seems to run really good. Had a, has had a really, really bad year other than the restricted plate races this year. But a nice third place run for him. We mentioned McDowell, a team. You, you talk about uh, Doug Yates and Robert Yates. You know, Michael McDowell's crew chief is Todd Parrott, who won uh, two Daytona 500s with, with Dale Jarrett there. He was a, he's a great, great crew chief. He's got a great mind. On his way up, after a little bit mishap a few years ago, that cost him a, a very good job at Rich Petty Motorsports. But he's on his way back up with a Richard Childress affiliated team at Levine Family Racing. And Michael McDowell has been stout on these restricted weight races, was very, very aggressive last night. No doubt about it. I think it rubs some people the wrong way with how aggressive he was. But he has to do what he has to do, and he's going for it and trying to win these races here in the RL, WRL contractor Chevrolet for the Ryan family. So I think Menard and McDowell really ran a strong race last night when they really needed to. Yeah, I think Michael McDowell put on a great show. Um, it helps having Todd Parrott in there on top of the box, keeping him calm, telling him that, I mean, you look, the other thing, Richard Childress Racing, uh, those power plants used to always – uh, whenever they did ECR engines, you always look. Junior always had something great whenever he was in the eight car. You always had old man Earnhardt in a three that was competitive at restrictor plates. Um, Skinner was always good at restrictor plates. So, I mean, they put extra mo- they put extra time in those motors over at um, Childress Racing to make sure they're set to go for the restrictor plates. And for some reason, Paul Menard is maybe he sees the air like others, like the Earnhardts do but he just finds a way to always knock off a top 10 finish at restrictor plates. The rest of the tracks, it's a struggle to get to 20th sometimes, but I think Paul Menard is an excellent restrictor plate driver and it helps them out as they go through the season that, I mean, it, it's going to give a little bit of momentum as they go forward. The one thing I'm looking forward to see is what, what kind of momentum people take out of here and go to Kentucky. I mean, like we were talking about some of these guys, Matt Benedetto finishes 13th. Is he going to finish 30th next week? Because that's what kind of um, equipment he's in with Go Fast Racing. Is um, Michael McDowell back there in 20th place again? Now that they're uh, going to a mile and a half, is Corey LaJoy going to be back there fighting for 35th? I wonder if there's any momentum comes out of this. I don't think so, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky is more of a what we do on a weekly basis type racetrack. Obviously, Daytona's, you know, there's only two, there's only one other track that we reuse restrictor plates. Three other races uh, that use restrictor plate racing. So it's it's a very, um, you know, rare thing we do in this sport when we go to restrictor plates. Kentucky is 
a mile-and-a-half track, and that is our bread and butter here in this sport. So you're probably right. I don't know if, if uh, you know, David Reagan's sixth-place run in the top ten run all day is going to really help that 38 car next week. Um, but it makes going to the shop a little bit better when you run very good. So, I mean, Seth, you got a good feeling going to the race shop. Um, but, again, Kentucky's a, a track that uh, it's more – it was. You know, it's more of what we do on a weekly basis, and I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, of the same names that you see up front: Larson, Kozlowski, Harvick up there next week at Kentucky. Um, and that, you know, to me, everything kind of comes back to normal here after a, like you mentioned, a sort of a uh, obscure race there on the restricted play on the restricted place weekends yesterday, and then you had the road course the week before. We're kind of back to normal here with a bread-and-butter mile-and-a-half track at Kentucky. Um, when you look at the points, John, it's, an it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, Legato's encumbered victory won't let him carry that win into the chase. Um, and then you go down the line. You got Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez right now outside the chase, Kane, Trevor Payne. I mean, these guys are going to have to win here, John. Jones, Suarez. I don't know how many teams are going to get in the points. You know, Bush right now, Kyle Bush doesn't have, is, is third in points. He doesn't have a win. Chase Elliott is sixth. I think those guys are pretty safe. Same thing with McMurray and Hamlin. So when you get down to Clint Boyer, Matt Kenseth, um, you know, and Eric Jones, are you concerned at all if you're Clint Boyer and Matt Kenseth here that you don't have a win? And some of these back market teams like Stenhouse, uh, Austin Billen has a win. Um, are you concerned that they're going to knock them out here in the chase if things keep going the way they're going, I think one of the uh, one of those solid drivers between Boyer, Kenseth, and Logano will not make the chase. The way it's going right now, um, I mean, you've got Dylan, who's twenty first in points, who's got a. I mean, he's locked in unless something crazy happens. You've got <clears throat> Stenhouse, who's sixteenth, but he's locked in without a doubt with two wins. You got Newman, Bush, Blaney at 13, 14, 15. They have wins. Logano has an encumbered win, so that doesn't really count toward him. Right now, if you think about the way things sit, Logano's probably sitting on the outside looking in. Oh, no, he's barely – I mean, he's he's barely right. in. He would be 16th in points. Right, and who would have thought of that coming into the chase? I mean – uh, this 22 car, and, and I think they got to figure it out. It's a very important stretch, and I think that's where you look at Daytona is it's halfway almost. I mean, it's 17 races in Daytona. Like I said, we get sort of back to normal here, so everybody considers Daytona sort of halfway. You started the year there. You, you run it in halfway. Um, Logano needs to pick it up. He's a guy who I think everybody expected to really have a good, strong year, a week in and week out, and he really hasn't. I mean, his Richmond win was encumbered, and ever since then, it seems like that 22 team's been off. He's got one playoff point. Jim McMurray's another guy who has had a nice year finishing, but he has no playoff wins, no playoff points this year. That's going to hurt him going to the chase. Same thing with Chase Elliott, who um, doesn't have a win yet this year as well. He's only got two playoff points. Kyle Busch has only got four. When you get to, to the playoff points and really dissecting who could compete for a championship, you know, the fact that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. will have right now, if the chase ended, if the chase started t- this week, 
Ricky Stenhouse Jr. have six more points than Kyle Busch. It's very interesting. And these guys here, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, and Joey Logano, Matt Kenseth, Clint Boyer, they really have to pick it up here in this second half if they really want to make a run. Not only to make these playoffs, but to make the cha- to run for the championship. Because if they don't pick it up fast, the the guys who have run really strong, Larson, who's got 13 points, Truex, who's got 21 points, playoff points, Johnson's got 16, and Kozlowski's got 13 those guys are just going to keep picking up those points and keep distancing themselves more and more and more from the guys that don't have points, and it's going to make them trying to win a championship that much harder. So uh, those guys I just mentioned really, John, need to pick it up here in the, in the second half. Without a doubt. I mean, as you look at it, Joey Logano is 16th in points right now. Or no, he's 12th in points right now. But 13, 14, 15, 16, and 21 have wins. So that would put Joey 17th in the points at the cutoff. So right now, Joey Logano would be missing the playoffs if it started today. And he said he's not um, panicking yet, but he can see pa- the panic button from where he's right now. And I don't blame him. I mean, the 20, I don't know what the problem was whenever they failed inspection, but they have not been the same since that race. Oh, no doubt. And, and again, that's a team that really um, we need to see something from here in the next uh, the next 10, 10 weeks if they really want to make a run for a championship. 917-889-8280 here talking in circles tonight. Um, you know, I think when you think about the Cup Series, and I want to get your opinion here. We've run 17 races, so I like to, to sort of reflect, as I mentioned earlier, on the first half. Um, right now, as we sit here, John, as far as the Cup Series is concerned, who do you have as far as, who do you think, give me three guys who you think, three drivers, I should say, who you think are the favorites to win the championship this year. Um, you know, we, we've got a good chunk of races. We've been through the road courses. We've been through the two-plate races. We've been through a lot of mile and a half. We've been through all, uh, all three short tracks. So this is a good um you know, we've had a good preview of what this season's going to look like. Who are your three favorites to win the championship as we sit right now halfway through the season? All right, here we go. You're going to be surprised at probably none of them. Uh, Kyle Larson, just because he's led the points throughout the season almost the whole way. Uh, he's got 13 playoff points, so he's going to be – it's going to take a lot to knock him off and he's run solid and everything. And once we get to the chase, there's so many mile and a half and Larson does great on those. Uh, same with Truex. Truex has been dominant in the mile and a half. He's already got 21 playoff points, with 11 stage wins. And you're going to add playoff points to them whenever they do the regular season tally from first to 10th. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnson's got three wins already. I think he's pretty close to being a lock to get to Homestead. Unless something crazy. I mean, you look, Johnson's going to win Dover again. Johnson's got another shot at the fall Charlotte race where he runs really well. Johnson's been running really well at the mile and a half this year. It's going to be the surprise. Yep. The one that's going to be the surprise who I think um, isn't a surprise is Kevin Harvick. Even though he's fourth in points, he's got one race win, which he won last week in Sonoma. But he even said after the race, we're finally finding ourselves with the Fords. There are 17 races into Ford. It's not like you have the overnight magic 
I mean, they, whenever they came out of the box and won the Daytona 500 with Kurt Busch, everybody was thinking Stuart Haas has this magic that they've just come out and Ford has just been perfect for them. They've struggled throughout the season. There's been some wins that got away from Harvick. I mean, you look the loose tire. I mean, the speeding penalty at Atlanta cost Harvick a win. There's been some uh, chassis issues where they struggle with handling here and there, but Harvick's made the most of what he's had. He's sitting there fourth in points with a win, and I think they're starting to get their notes together and understand what they have under the uh, have with their chassis, have know what they have with their power plants. I think Harvick's got a really good shot, especially when you got Phoenix the last race before Homestead. Listen, I, I like a lot of the guys you mentioned. I think Truex is a a lock. I think he's he's been unbelievable this year with collecting those stage points. Um, you know, you'd like to see him have a little bit more wins towards the end of the year, which I think he probably can get. I do like the 48. You know, they got three wins. We've seen that team time and time again. Even when last year, when they looked like their regular season was, I mean, it was dreadful for most of the regular season, they figured it out. And I think the team I've been very impressed with, one team that you didn't mention, and that's the two team. And I know we can see them sort of getting consistent every now and then, and that's the only knock on Brad Keselowski and that Dean Penske two-car, is they're sort of getting consistent at times. They have stupid things come up. But we, when that team is right and that team is clicking on all cylinders, they're dangerous because Keselowski can win at any time, anywhere, and he can dominate your race, races. He's proven that this year. He's got two wins, one at Atlanta, one at Martinsville. He's got a bunch of second-place finishes, Fontana, Richmond, Kansas. He's got a third, Sonoma. He's very, very good, um, and that team is very good. And I think with everything going on with that team, when they had Wolf, Paul Wolf left, uh, if they can, when they rally and they get hot, there's nobody better in this sport than that two team. I really believe that. And I think when they get, they got to get to the chase time, they got to get their momentum going. If they can do that, that team can win the championship, hands down, no doubt about it. Um, they had a little bit of a, of a lull in the middle of the year. Charlotte, they had, you know, they got in that wreck with Chase Elliott, which was. A, a wild and freaky incident, and then they had another wreck at Dover. Uh, but other than that, they've been pretty, pretty good and pretty consistent throughout the year. So that suits you to me, John, is a team that is dangerous when they click on all cylinders. Yeah, that two-team, uh, Brad Keselowski and Paul Wolf have been magic since they, put, they got put together, um, which I love the fact that still people get in their bright, bright idea that Keselowski could possibly leave the two and go to the eighty-eight. That's never going to happen. There's never going to happen. You're going to go to maybe the third car at Hendrick Motorsports when you're the number one car at Team Penske. I don't think so. And plus, I mean, you look, Brad's the one who brought Joey into the fold. Brad's the one who brought Ryan Blaney into the fold. Um, He's been the leader at Team Penske since uh, Kurt Busch got stupid with the media and has done a great job as a representative of the captain's team. And, to drive for Roger Penske is something special. I don't care what anybody says. Roger Penske is racing. And to drive his car and be his lead driver, that's something you, you don't just turn your back on. Look at Elio Castroneves. He's had many chances to go other places in the IndyCar series, and he's never left because he knows what it means driving for Roger Penske. Absolutely. Um, and I agree with you. I think Kozlowski is, is going to stay. I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with for the championship years from now, uh, like he has been the last few years um, at Team Penske. And I just, again, I think that team is very, very good. Um, 
There was another race, the Coca-Cola Firecracker 250 at the Daytona International Speedway this weekend, NASCAR Xfinity Series race. William Byron was the winner. He beat Elliott Sadler at the end of that race, a race that consisted of two days. They started it on Friday night, started it, uh, restarted it again on Saturday morning, rained again, and then Saturday afternoon into the evening they finished it up. Um, Elliott Sadler was second. Dakota Armstrong, another good run for him. He was third. Jeff Burton, David Starr was fifth. Shane Brendan Poole was seventh. Logano, Brendan Vaughn, and Joey Gase driving for Jimmy Smup Means finished in the tenth position. Um, man, I, I can't wait. And this was the last race. I, I heard this was the last race for the Xfinity Series at Daytona with the bodies they currently have next year. They're going to go towards um, a more a body that that is uh, more consistent throughout the field. Um, but I can't stand the, the push drafting. Uh, I think it's it happens. Um, I think NASCAR either needs to let them do it or, or fix the front bumpers. They can't police it. But uh, it was a decent race. Again, you had a lot of guys up there who um, aren't normally up there. Jeb Burton driving for the SD's Express Lines. Toyota was pretty good all day in the 24 car. Dakota Armstrong back-to-back weeks where he's had a top-five run. David Starr, who you don't see ever up in the top ten, uh, he finished fifth. Um, Chast- Ross Chastain, who, who's had, again, another back-to-back strong weekend for him, he finished sixth. So uh, another standard run-of-the-middle Xfinity Series race at Daytona International Speedway. But Byron, John, has really impressed here. Um, you know, back-to-back weeks, he's, he's almost got three straight wins you know, he came with an initial beating on uh, Denny Hamlin at Michigan, or he had three consecutive Xfinity Series wins. So Byron's starting to find his name here, starting to, to find his home here in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and he's starting to capitalize on a lot of wins. I think William Byron's a real deal, and we said this last year when he was driving the truck for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and Rick Hendrick just doesn't steal somebody to get him in the Xfinity car if he doesn't think he's worthwhile. And William Byron... The kid is phenomenal. I mean, you're right. He's a couple inches away from a three three in a row, and Hamlin's car failed inspection. So, I mean, in reality, it should be three in a row. Um, the thing that disappointed me most about this is there were probably more fans at Port Royal in Pennsylvania Saturday night watching sprint car racing than there was at Daytona for the start of the Xfinity race on Friday night. You and I were chatting back and forth whenever the race got started. I I think it was friends and family. There was nobody in those seats. And NBC was doing everything they could to not show the grandstands whenever they were going by. But there are certain points where you have no choice. And that place was empty. I think uh, they talked about it on the post-race show yesterday with um, the 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 president of Daytona, uh, International Speedway about possibly doing the Xfinity and the Cup race on the same day. It can't hurt because there are people in the stands. I mean, it's got to be sort of dejecting for the drivers when you're out there and there's a few thousand people in a place that seats a hundred thousand, and it it just was empty. And the worst part is, you and I were joking about it, was I hate to see what the ratings are on the Xfinity race. I mean, it was on both networks. 
because on Saturday afternoon, whenever they got past a certain point, they put it on NBCSN, but it was on CNBC for a while. And I mean, it took 21 hours to get the race over with. That's how lengthy and just weird it was. No doubt. It was a tough weekend for the Xfinity series at Daytona. And, you know, personally, John, you know this. I would love to see him run at, you know, Volusia County again or, or, uh, you know, the New Smyrna, a short track around Daytona. That'd be cool to see, Um, you know, but people love this this plate racing. There's no doubt about it. I don't like it on for the Xfinity cars. I think they're going to do the composite body next year. So maybe it'll even a playing field and we'll see what we saw like on the Cup Series. I just don't like the bumpers lining up on these cars. It's just, to me, it drives me crazy. I wouldn't mind if they push trapped. I really wouldn't. But as long as, as it doesn't feel like there's a gray area with pushing, because I saw some guys out there on the restarts pushing people and nothing was called. And I saw people who were afraid. It's just, to me, it just makes it hard to police. It's hard to watch because you don't know what's right and what's wrong. Um, and I'm just glad that, that this was hopefully the final race with this car on the restricted plates, and they go to the composite body next year, and everybody's, you know, the racing's a little bit different on these restric- on these restricted plate tracks for the Xfinity Series, because I just can't stand that their bumpers line up like they do. Um, but, you know, we talked about Byron earlier. Has he, in your opinion here, I know it's only two races, and it's Iowa, which is a non-companion event, and then Daytona, which is a you know, a crapshoot. But is he over the last two weeks, and then obviously had Michigan the week before, over the last three weeks, has he proven enough to you, John, to show that he might be ready? You know, we all thought Byron, well, he's raw, he's a young kid, he's only 19. I don't know if he's ready to go to the Cup Series. Has he proven to you in these last three weeks to sit there and go, you know what, he might be ready to go to the Cup Series. Has he proven that to you yet? Well, to, to me, I think he could probably use another year of seasoning but it might become one of those Casey Kane things where he's got it in his contract that if somebody offers him a cup ride that Hendrick has to either put him in a cup car or lose him to somebody else. And I think uh, Byron talent shows he's going to be a star in this sport in 10 years. It may take him a year or two to get ready to get in, I mean getting in the cup car and but then again it takes just about everybody I mean how rare is it to find a rookie win anymore I mean it isn't like it was when you had Tony Stewart Jimmy Johnson and Junior and Kenseth as rookies where they were able to win races now I mean very rarely do you see a rookie win a race I mean you saw Chris Buescher do it last year but it was because of rain and I think Byron it does I mean to it doesn't really matter to you and me. It matters whether Exalta wants him in the car. And it seems like they are not disappointed in him because they're sponsoring him in the Xfinity series. It's a matter of whether Liberty university's money wants to go up to the cup level because Liberty university where William Byron actually attends college, Liberty university has been sponsoring him in the truck series. And now at um, junior motorsports in the Xfinity series, I think Rick Hendricks, looking to put sponsorship together. If he can get sponsorship together for William Byron, he may go into that five car. I don't think he's going in the 88 and I don't think the 88 is going to be the 88 next year. I think it goes back to being the 25, but I don't think William Byron goes into that 20, that 88 car. I think, I still think that's going to be Matt Kenseth, but I think William Byron 
have sponsorship attached to them, which is one thing that, unfortunately, Alex Bowman doesn't have. And William Byron's running every race right now. Alex Bowman hasn't run a race this year. He ran one truck race this year, but he hasn't been running. He's doing a lot of simulation for Hendrick. He's doing a lot of testing for Hendrick, but that doesn't um, equate to being on track with 40 other guys who are the best in the sport. And if you don't run a car on a regular basis for a lengthy period of time, you lose your reflexes. It's a muscle memory sport. And if you don't do that, I mean, I think part of Junior struggling the first half of this year was because he's out of the car the whole second half of last year, and it took him time to get his reflexes back. I think that'll be the same thing with Alex Bowman. But I think William Byron could be a solid candidate for the five car if he keeps going like this the second half of the Xfinity series. Yeah, and I tell you, it's just been a, you know, Byron got off to a slower start in the middle of the year. He wrecked a lot, had a couple of races. I shouldn't say wrecked a lot, but he had a couple of races where he didn't finish. And now all of a sudden it just seemed like something clicked at Michigan um, and Iowa. Yeah, again, it's a non-companion event. It's against all the Xfinity Series regulars, but he was the best Xfinity Series regular there. You know, he's going against guys like Elliot Sadler who run his own team, uh, who runs for his, his race team, um, and beating him. You know, he, and he ran well at Daytona. We'll see what he does this weekend at Kentucky. Um, you know, but I, th- I think William Byron's now, what he's got in this series is confidence. And when you get a young driver who's got a lot of skill, some confidence, I think it, it could mean the world to him. And we'll see how he finishes this year. You know, I think if you took um, – a poll after 15 races last year and asked most of the people who watched the Xfinity Series on a regular basis and said, is Daniel Suarez ready for a cup ride? Is he going to be a cup ride next year? A lot of people, probably 80% would have said, no way. He's still got a lot to do. He's had a nice year, but he's still got some work to do. And he finished that year last year so strong that he was able to, sure, it was Carl Edwards that retired and put him in a car, but he was able to really um, change a lot of people's minds and say, you know what, maybe this kid is ready for the Cup Series. Maybe this kid really is good. Um, and he's learned a lot here in, in this year. Will that be the same with Byron? I'm not so sure. But uh, the kid's got, again, you give a young kid confidence, I think it means the world. A couple other guys I want to give a shout-out to this week. Uh, B.J. McLeod, another strong run for him in the 78 car. Ray Black Jr.'s in the 07 uh, America's Donuts Chevrolet for him. Uh, and he always wanted to mention that he finished in the 12th spot. They needed some points. That's Robbie, uh, Bobby Dodder's team. SS Greenlight Racing, they're called. Bobby Dodder, a former Xfinity Series driver, uh, independent driver, does a lot of good things. And that team's really struggled this year. They've uh, had to go different routes for sponsorship because they're, they haven't made a lot of races this year. So a 12th place run for them could mean the world because they needed that. They need the points in the worst way. So a nice run for Ray Black Jr. And a couple of – just wanted to give him a shout-out there in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Your final thoughts, John, on the weekend at Daytona? I know you hate plate racing, but uh, what were your final thoughts on Daytona International Speedway uh, in the weekend? You want to see it again until February of next year. Well, unfortunately, we got Talladega in the chase, so we still got one more to go through. But, I mean – there's a lot, like I said early, and we both said there's a lot of compelling stories. Uh, a lot of a lot of drivers got their um, career best finishes. Um, I love when Stenhouse wins because 
Stenhouse always brings um, Brian Clawson to victory lane with him because uh, Brian Clawson was one of his best friends. And whenever he gets to victory lane, he always uh, brings Brian Clawson with him, which is uh, something special. Uh, I think William Byron's going to be a star in this sport and being able to show it a little better by winning at Daytona. When there were some cup drivers in there, there weren't the majors like your look I mean your Ken's I mean your Kyle Bushes or all that stuff because you know he's not hopping in a plate track in the Xfinity series. But it was an overall good weekend. Um I commercials NBC has put in there. Uh, I think that's a little crazy. I think the uh the uh Caribbean Caribbean sprinter who's now doing stuff, the fact that he was part of the Kill time coverage on rain delay kind of lost it for me. But I mean, I thought it was a good weekend of racing for your plate. I, one thing one I do like about Daytona that I don't like about Talladega is at least handling plays a little bit of a role at Daytona. Talladega, you, you just floor the floor and hope it, hope it sticks. And it always does. And you just have to get the right line there. But Daytona was a good race. A lot of great stories. I really love Corey Joy finished 11th. I agree, and I think LaJoy is a guy, again, we talked about him earlier, who, uh, in the right stuff, can win some, I think can do very well. Um, and, he, and he's in the 23, he was in the 23 this week, and that's the ride, that's the number one car there at BK Racing. And hopefully uh, he has more opportunities in the future because, um, you know, he deserves it, in my opinion. Uh, and, and he brought up an interesting thing about NBC. Um, first weekend for them, John, uh, you know, you have Rick Allen in the booth with Steve Letarte, and um, then you have Jeff Burton, of course, in the booth. Uh, Chris Devota, uh with Dale Jarrett there, um, you know, and Kyle Petty in the pre-race. What were your thoughts? I mean, I, listen, NBC I thought was a, a cool deal this week. And, of course, you have, you know, you talked about the uh, the r- runner who's from Trinidad and Tobago, by the way. Um, Alton Bolden, I think his name is, or Bolton. Uh, he was a little much. I mean, you know, he's asking people about why the race cars have hood braces. You got to be kidding me. But anyway, um, as far as NBC, I think the cool thing, thing about them was, and I don't know if you saw it, uh, when they interviewed the winner on the racetrack, um, they said they wanted to see more raw emotion. They sent Marty Snyder and our cameraman out there when the drivers right after they got done doing their celebration. You know, we didn't have to wait for the interview. We didn't have to wait. The drivers didn't have to wait until um, you know wait to celebrate. It was more emotion, kind of like what we used to see. You know, there was never these celebrations back in the 90s, back in the 80s, where we did burnouts for 20 minutes. Then they come in and they got it all out of them and they kind of give a, a boring interview. Um, this was more raw emotion. This was more after the fact. Uh, so I think a, a kind of cool feature there from NBC, and I like the fact that they're trying something different here. But what are your thoughts on the entire weekend on NBC for their first race? Um, listen, let me just say this uh, side note. Dale Jr. mentioned this on his, on his uh, Periscope, whatever he does at the end of a race. I thought the Dale Jr. Um, topic was, I mean, a lo- way, way much. Listen, I understand it's, it's final race. I understand the guy's the most popular driver in a sport. But goodness gracious, um, there was other drivers in the field on, on, on Saturday night. I mean, this guy, this was, it was just an absurd amount of Dale Jr. coverage. So that's the one knock on NBC. But what were your thoughts, John, to me? Uh, what were your thoughts this week for NBC? I think um, if you want the technical coverage of the race, uh, 
I think Jeff Burton and Steve Letarte are two great color analysts. Uh, Rick Allen is doing better this year of trying to get out of the way. He's not really um, making it about himself. He's just painting a small picture and letting Letarte and Jeff Burton um, tell the technical story of it. I think the pre-race show, Chris Avoda is a solid professional, uh, beats the clown that Chris Myers is, uh, and there's no wall trips, which makes it even better. Um, I think Kyle Petty has continued to grow into the role. And Dale Jarrett, I mean, he's just a great communicator. He tells you how how it feels to be in that chair because he's been there. And he's a Hall of Famer. He does really well explaining the race to you. Um, I think Jeff Burton was a little too low-key this year compared to how he's normally been. He just seems to be there. It's more Letarte explaining what's going on with the car, which I love. And that's one of the things I miss about Larry Mack being in the booth at Fox. But, I mean, I got to give NBC a B for their coverage. I think there was way too many commercials. And um, I did miss the post-race interview, but what I saw of it – reading about it was the one thing that was cool about it with Marty Snyder getting up there. You got Marty Snyder, who is a solid professional when it comes to being a pit road reporter, his son races. So he, I mean, he's, his heart is a hundred percent into the support, but they also broadcast the interview to the PA system, to the fans in attendance, which makes it better. Cause a lot of times you don't get the interview with the TV coverage in the stands, usually they wait till the MRN and they've already got their stuff done before Motor Racing Network gets in there. So it's their second go around. So they perfected it. And it's more of a, let me thank this sponsor, that sponsor. We had a great car. Thank the guys at the shop. Everybody drive carefully. We're going to go drink some beer. So I think it was, um, I think it's a good step in the right direction to engage the audience more and show the raw emotion because I mean, winning a race is not easy. And winning a race at Daytona is even tougher because it's a total crapshoot. You just hope that you're in the right lane. You hope you have the right car. You hope you have the right horsepower. And it wound up being a special night for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, I think we saw one thing at the in Victory Lane that we're going to start seeing more often, and that's where Danica Patrick's place is going to be because I don't think she's going to be in a car next year. Yeah, you're probably definitely right on that. I think uh... – you know, Stenhouse has proven himself to be a very good play racer, no doubt about that. But to go back on uh, NBC's topic here, um, you know, I see the tar. It was a rain delay, and I was listening to Jeff Burton. They asked Jeff Burton, and Jeff Burton was saying, hey, listen, um, you know, we have a little bit of an oil issue, uh, and we're not sure what we're going to do. And it just sort of ventured off with, with other questions. And Latart, I thought, asked a great question. And, hey, how do you get back into this race mentally? Um, with with this issue and how do you have any plans? Are you Kuchi talking about any plans? What you can do when the red flag is lifted to fix this issue and keep you on the lead lap? I thought it was a tremendous question because it puts your fans back in the race. You sit there and go, you know what? Do these guys really do that? Do they really plan that? And, and it's Latart, who's a crew chief, who's been there. Yeah, they do do that, and they have to think about that. And I want to know that. I want to know as a race fan. Okay, the race to me is is prime, and maybe it's a little bit weird for Jeff Burton and, and Rick Allen uh, because Jeff's uh, it's Jeff's nephew. But I thought a great question to end it the interview with Jeff Burton by Steve Latar. I think Latar does a phenomenal job in the booth, as you mentioned. So 
Uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, before we move on here. Talking about Eldora, John, a couple of interesting news news, uh, and notes here about Eldora. On July 19th, the Mudsummer, excuse me, they call it the Aspen Dental 150 now from Eldora Speedway Truck Series Race. This is the fourth year they're going to do it, but a couple of interesting announcements this week. MB Motorsports crew will be going there for the third time. Uh, Pierce has run great there the last couple of years. He's a great dirt racer. He does a lot of good things. He will return as well as Vico Abreu, who ran full-time last year in the truck series, nearly missed this race a year ago, um, but he's going to run a uh, fourth truck for four, a fifth truck, excuse me, for four Thor, Thor Sport Racing, if I can say it correctly, at Eldora. It's a one-off race. Um, but Halafi will be the crew chief. Uh, Tracy Hines is going to spot for him. So two big names, Rico Abreu and Bobby Pierce, coming back to uh, Eldora Speedway. John, it should make that race even more tremendous. And the good, the great thing about this race at Eldora, even though it's a one-off event, is um, it, it seems to bring you know rise the cream to the top. Um, where you get the best of the drivers, even though it's it's a it's a one-off deal, these drivers who are great dirt racers seem to find a a ride, and if they do well, they come back every year. Yeah, it's something special. I that's that's on my bucket list of one of the races I want to go to. I want to see the trucks run at the Eldora. Um, you still know Kyle Larson's going to find his way to get into a truck, uh, Eldora. Kyle Larson will run this race. I can almost promise you that. Um, but the thing is, it isn't always the dirt racers who can do something special in there. I mean, you look the first year they had it, Scott Bloomquist is one of the best dirt late model drivers in history. And he drove a truck for Kyle Busch Motorsports the first year that they had the Mud Summer Classic back then. And Scott Bloomquist was a train wreck. And he's as good an accomplished dirt racer as there ever was. Uh, the one thing that's going to be really nice with it is with Rico driving for Thor Sport, Tracy Hines is going to spot for him. And Tracy Hines is one of the best midget racers in the history of USAC. And he's the competition uh, director over at Thor Sport. So it's going to be great to see how Tracy and Rico uh, talk back and forth to each other. I think Rico has something to prove in the truck series. I think he has something to prove to Thor Sport. And I mean, Mike Kerb is putting his money behind it because he's sponsoring the carb curb records is going to be on the truck for that race. I think Rico has something to prove and I think he'll, uh, stand out really well. I mean, considering he's living at Tony Stewart's house to run sprint cars this year and the next week, if you want to see Rico the next week, just go to Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania speed weeks and the four ten sprinters and Rico will be at Port Royal, Williams Grove, Lincoln, Sealings Grove, um, running the eight race segment for um, Pennsylvania speed week. So he'll have his dirt stuff behind him. It's just a matter of how often, I mean, how the difference is between running a 1500 pound sprint car and a 3,500 pound truck. Right. I mean, I remember um, when Scott Bloomquist was announced in that truck uh, years for Kyle Busch Motorsports a couple of years ago, that people were going crazy saying, well, nobody's going to have a chance to win that race. Cause Scott Bloomquist can, is going to go out there and beat them all. And, he struggled badly. So it is a different form of medium in dirt, but I think for the most part, um, the people who, who figure it out do great. And you mentioned Rico. He had a great run towards the end of that race last year. Uh, he started off horrifically. And like I said, almost missed the, the, the event. 
got I think he caused the wreck or got into a wreck towards the you know early stages of that event after the um the you know the the heats and everything but once he got into the main event he did great and he he worked his way up to I think to the top five or the top ten and just didn't have enough laps to catch the leader but uh it'd be interesting to see what he does this year with that under his belt the knowledge of what he learned last year underneath him. Triple header weekend this weekend, John, at Kentucky Speedway, Xfinity Trucks and Cup, all at Kentucky Speedway this weekend. Trucks running on a Thursday night, Friday night race for the Xfinity Series and a Saturday night race for the Cup Series. Um, we talked about it a little earlier in the show. It's a more of a bread and butter of what we do here in NASCAR with the mile-and-a-half tracks. Fresh, newly paved tracks just the second year here at Kentucky um, with this new surface. What do you think we're going to see across the board here? Uh, who do you think is going to be fast in the Cup Series side at Kentucky Speedway? I think if there's a chance, um, this is the one where we see Kyle Busch hit victory lane. Um, they ran well at Texas. I mean, Texas was basically formed. They repaved Texas to make it seem like Kentucky because of the way they changed the corners up at both Kentucky. Um, the one thing Kentucky has over at the Texas doesn't is Kentucky has – uh, winners, so the track will age a lot faster. So it's gonna there's gonna be multiple grooves at Kentucky this year. Um, I think Brad Keselowski's always fast there. Um, I want to see how Harvick and Boyer and Kurt Busch do uh, for Stuart Haas. Now that they're starting to get their stuff together and understand what they have under the hood and what they have with the chassis, I want to see how Harvick and Boyer and Kurt Busch do for Stuart Haas. Um, and the one, the million dollar question is when's Joe Gibbs going to get back to victory lane? If somebody would have told you in January before the season that Ricky Stenhouse would have two wins and Joe Gibbs racing as a team would have zero, who would have said that person is on crack and needs to go to rehab right then? <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> right. It's a fair point. I mean, that just shows you how unpredictable this sport can be at times, no doubt about it. Um, you know, two good rates at Kentucky, mile and a half tracks, they kind of get numb for me after a while. I kind of lose the, the affection for them. I kind of lose after a while. It seems like right around this year, every time it's like, oh, man, another mile and a half track. Um, and we just came off of two races that were mile and a half, but so it just seems like we have so many of them that you just get annoyed with them. And by the time we get to the chase, everything's okay, but um, I hope we have a good race. I'll be interested to see a lot of, you know, if teams have gained on something, if Toyota's gained on something here in the last two weeks since we've been away from the mile and a half, if uh, Ford can keep up their, what they've done this year, if Chevrolet can keep up what they've done this year, if the Hendrick Motorsport, if Chase Elliott can win some races, if Dale Jr. can kind of right this ship here and get running consistently and maybe put himself in an opportunity to try and win one of these races and get into the chase. So a lot of storylines here going into Kentucky. I think it's going to be very interesting to watch um, this sport sort of come back to the mile-and-a-half tracks after a two-week hiatus. Um, we'll be back here. And this is, after... this is the last mile-and-a-half mile before the chase, too. Right. It's it, Yeah, it's for a while, no doubt about it. Um, we'll see you here next time on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody. <laughs> 